Proverbs 23, starting at verse 12. Uh, Many, many moons ago, uh, we started a Bible study at one of the homes we have lived at in Aiken, and we started Proverbs then. Um, It was just uh, some men then, I believe. And we did that for a bit. We took a break. Then we went to Mr. Keith's for a bit and have made a good way through Proverbs there. And uh, because of... um, the nature of the Proverbs, uh, they are in some way repetitive, where the same proverb will be given multiple times throughout the Proverbs or uh, something close to it. Um, I feel okay uh, picking up where we left off with the men's Bible study, but also because there are uh, many um, Proverbs that address uh, women directly, and in a men's Bible study, you can only do so much right, with Proverbs like that. So um, I feel like our time could be very fruitful, and we'll look at Proverbs 23. We'll start in verse 12 tonight. Our normal rhythm is to read a section of the Proverbs and then just kind of go back through and comment on each one. Um, And if you have any questions, comments, or uh, criticisms, whatever the case may be, uh, you're welcome to offer those at any point during the study, or you can hold your questions till the end, however you want to do it. But we'll do Proverbs 23, and I'm going to read uh, verse 12 through to the end of the chapter. So 12 to 35. Apply thine heart unto instruction, and thine ears to the words of knowledge. Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod, and shalt deliver his soul from hell. My son, if thine heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice, even mine. Yea, my reins shall rejoice when thy lips speak right things. Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. For surely there is an end, and thine expectation shall not be cut off. Hear thou, my son, and be wise, and guide thine heart in the way. Be not among wine-bibbers or drunkards, among riotous eaters of flesh. For the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty, and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. Hearken unto thy father that begat thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. Buy the truth, and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding." The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad, and she that bear thee shall rejoice. My son, give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. For a whore is a deep ditch, and a strange woman is a narrow pit. She also lieth in wait as for a prey, and increaseth the transgressors among men. Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? They that tarry long at the wine. They that go to seek mixed wine. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women. Thine heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he 
that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or is he that lieth upon the top of a mast? They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. Amen. So a little context for um, those of you who um, maybe haven't read Proverbs in a while or haven't been at the men's Bible study or whatever the case may be. Uh, Proverbs is a, a book of wisdom, and it's written from the perspective of a king speaking to his sons. Right, or speaking to a son. And we know Solomon wrote Proverbs, with the exception of a very little bit at the very end. So Solomon is speaking to his son, who would one day become a king. He's teaching him how to prepare to be a king, but also when he gets his office as a king, how he is to behave himself. So he's giving him the wisdom, but also warning him about different things. He warns him about um, certain types of women uh, from the beginning of the book of Proverbs, and you saw that come up here. And he also warns him about the danger of, of strong drink, as you heard there at the end of chapter 23. But here at verse 12 and following, especially once you get to like verses 13 and after that, he's speaking to his son in light of his own children. So son, your children. All right, this is how you need to think about them once you get to verse 13. And you can tell from verse 13 on to at least verse 28, possibly even to the end of the chapter, that he is still speaking about, uh, speaking very directly in the framework of father to son, right? Because some of the Proverbs are very generic, like verse 12, right? Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to the words of knowledge. Right? That's not specifically stated to a son or to a daughter or a man or a woman. It's just generic, right? But in verse 13, he says, withhold not correction from the child. So let's, let's talk about verse 12 for just a moment. It is a, a call to action. It's uh, a command, as it were. Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to the words of knowledge. Notice there is no do this because or a warning about if you don't do this. Right? It's just a flat command. Right? Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to the words of knowledge. It's a, a call to action, basically to submit to instruction and knowledge. It, it, if you could imagine it as a, a picture, as it were, that that instruction is something you go get, and knowledge is something that you listen to. Right? He's saying, go where you can get it, go where you can listen to it. Apply yourself to it. Maybe you, uh, you older uh, folks who've had kids who've gone through school and stuff like that, um, you've probably told them something like, you need to apply yourself. Right? It's the same idea here. You need to apply yourself to getting instruction and knowledge. Um, specifically, this is about the Bible, right? Um, what is the perfect instruction? Where is perfect knowledge found? But generally, it's uh, related to everything, right? It's such as education, right? Get as much education as you need and, and maybe even more, right? It doesn't mean that you should spend your entire life from, you know, age 5 to 99 enrolled in a university and, and school and such as that, but to always be learning, um, so I don't know how many of y'all know who it is. I know Mr. Lee will know who it is. Cal Ripken Jr. 
He said, and I know you know who it is. Yeah, of course, Richard. I know you know baseball like me. <clears throat> Cal Ripken Jr., he, they called him the Iron Man. He played something like 2,000 and something games in a row without taking a day off. And they asked him when he was going to retire. And he said, I'm going to retire when I stop learning. Right? So he retired after playing a long career when he, I guess, achieved a point where he had nothing else to learn about baseball. It was probably a tongue-in-cheek comment, but uh, he applied himself to the game until the end uh, of his time playing. Um, but notice there's also a relation of the heart to the ears, right? So apply your heart and apply your ears, right? So apply your heart, right? It doesn't just mean the organ. It means the center of the person, your whole person, and your ears to the words of knowledge. I'm going to read a, a quote here from uh, Bridges. Um, Bridges' exposition of the book of Proverbs is fantastic if you want a commentary on Proverbs. It's also very devotional. Um, it's not very technical like a lot of commentaries can be. But he says this about verse 12. He says, When the heart is graciously opened, softened, and enlightened, the attention of the ear is instantly fixed. This, indeed, is the Lord's sovereign creation work, yet it is wrought by God, by a God of order, in the use of his own means. Awakened desire brings us to prayer. Prayer brings the blessing. And precious, then, is every word of knowledge, more than thousands of gold and silver. What he's doing there is drawing this connection between it coming through the ear into the heart, and then the heart responds with love and draws it to, or draws you to listen all the more. You know, a person that you love, you want to talk to them, you want to hear from them, you want to listen to them, right? The heart does this even in spiritual things. That the heart is what draws us to the scriptures and draws us to the Lord, so that we can hear His words of knowledge. Then in verse thirteen, all right, so. Starting in verse 13, we're going to talk about discipline for a bit with children. Notice it is also a command with an explanation. Verse 13, withhold not correction from the child. So don't withhold correction from the child. Why? If you beat him with the rod, he shall not die. Right? Obviously, someone can be beaten with a rod to the point of dying. But he's saying here that discipline is to be carried out in such a way that the child is not harmed physically, but it is to be done with a rod. And I appreciate this point because um, there's a temptation to use our hands so often in discipline. And maybe you've heard me tell this story before, but I noticed that I needed to really rethink my own way of disciplining my children. As Jude was getting older, he would flinch when I'd come up behind him to put my arm around him because he didn't know if he had done something wrong and he was used to my hand being used to whoosh, smack him. Now, of course, there's some times where you have to get him on the back of the legs or something like that and you don't have anything, but notice the wisdom of the Bible. Use something other than your hand right, so that they can associate your hand with love and affection. He says, you shall beat him, verse 14, spank him, discipline him with the rod, and you shall deliver his soul from hell. Right? What a profound statement that the discipline that comes, physical 
discipline that comes from a parent to a child is a means of grace. It's a means that God intends to use to bring the child to heaven. It's a, uh, in, you know how we call the word, the sacraments in prayer, means of grace. How God gives us his salvation that Christ has purchased through the word, the sacraments, and prayer. Right? He promises as well here that if discipline is carried out, that it will deliver the soul of the child um, from hell. And you could say that verses 13 and 14 are teaching with the rod, and then the remainder of this section is kind of teaching with the words, right? Especially once you get to, um, what is it, verse uh, 17. Um, but I want to read some more from Bridges as he, he comments on verses 13 and 14, because he has a lot to say. He says, Christian parents do not always recognize the scriptural standard of discipline. You know the proverb that says, foolishness is bound in the heart. Well, it's not only bound in the heart of the child, it's bound in the heart of the parent. Um, It says, the rule, therefore, is notwithstanding all the pleas of pity and fondness, the rule is to withhold it not. Do the work wisely, firmly, and lovingly. Persevere notwithstanding apparently unsuccessful results. Connect it with prayer and faith and careful instruction, right? So a lot of times when we really devote ourselves to physically disciplining our children or our grandchildren or whatever the case may be, we don't automatically get the results that we want always, right? Sometimes it takes more than one spanking. Sometimes it takes months of correction. He is saying here that, because of the way this is phrased, withhold not. Do not withhold correction from the child. Right? Don't give up, even if the results appear to be unsuccessful. But connect it with prayer, with faith, and with careful instruction. He says, uh, some ask a question, must I then be cruel to my child? He says, no. God charges you with cruelty. If you withhold correction from them, God charges the parent or grandparent with cruelty if we withhold instruction from our children. God has ordained the rod to purge sins and so deliver souls from hell. He says, is it not cruel love that turns away from painful duty to permit sin upon a child no less than upon a brother? is tantamount to hating him in your own heart? Is it not better that the flesh should smart, should sting, than that the soul should die? Is it no sin to omit a means of grace as divinely appointed as the word in the sacraments? Is there then no danger with withholding the rod? And then he goes on a good bit there as well. I don't want to um, belabor it too much, um, but... Don't overlook how God ties these things together. Remember that when we're looking at the Scriptures, we're looking at uh, not um, not just a sinner's wisdom, right? Because Solomon was a sinner. But we look at the Scriptures as the perfect Word of God, where the Holy Spirit inspired Solomon to write these things. They are not wrong. These are not matters of opinion and preference. They are commands. From God, phrased uh, or framed out for us here in the Proverbs. He has a lot of comments about the the wisdom of doing this. He says, um, you know, not to 
Um, let physical discipline always be the first thing you go to. It's very practical. He says it's, it's like medicine rather than food. The remedy for the occasional diseases, not the daily regimen for life and nourishment. Right. So he doesn't mean like always be spanking and wearing out your kids and all that stuff because it will grow ineffective. Right. If it's always happening, but don't give up on it. You're basically converting the medicine, the remedy, unto daily food, and it's actually going to destroy the qualities that God intends to happen uh, with the rod. And then he says also a great uh, pearl of wisdom here. We must learn, however, not to expect too much from our children, nor to be unduly depressed by their naughtiness. That's a good word, right? Just a... That's a plain statement. Don't expect too much and don't grow overly depressed by their being naughty. We must love them, not less, but better. He says, more painful is the work to ourselves than to them. Most humbling it is. Listen to this. For since the corrupt root produces the poison sap in the bud, meaning the correction that we're performing on them, is actually a correction of our own sin because they probably learned it from us. Right? It says, when given in prayer, when discipline is given with prayer and wisdom and faith, the saving blessing is promised. Any thoughts on that? Verses uh, 13, 14, and even verse 12. Anybody have any comments or, or questions or anything? Yeah, also, I mean, the Lord's wisdom in uh, putting padding on our rear ends, right? That's the place to spank. Right? That's the reason it's there, the rear end or the top of the legs or whatever the case may be. Um, yeah, it's a good, good lesson for sure. Definitely be cautious, especially today. Um, there are, I learned this the case in, in Scotland, um, Several years ago, they had already established a law where it was illegal to physically discipline your children at all. Right? And you know today, like, if you dare touch your children in public, right, people are watching you. 
Right? They'll be ready to call DSS on you in a heartbeat, right? And all those things, but uh, we got to do it with a certain amount of wisdom, right? Because uh, the courts won't care if you quote Proverbs twenty-three, thirteen, and fourteen to them, right? You have to apply it with wisdom. I was trying to explain that to my children that I can't beat them in front of the court-appointed social workers to watch my interactions with them. <laughs> Good luck with that. Sure. Yep. One of the quotes I skipped over, he, he quotes Matthew Henry, and he says, If parents would not correct their child except in a praying frame, when they can lift their hands without wrath, it would neither provoke God nor them. Right? So a lot of times, I mean, I, I don't know if y'all feel this temptation, but like, you don't want to discipline in the moment when you're really angry. Because you'll probably go too far. But then a lot of times, once you calm down, you're like, well, I don't even really feel like discipline anymore. Is it even necessary? Right? And maybe that just means that they didn't need the physical discipline anyway. Right? If it kind of wore off on you and, and it passed over. Um, but that is a, a tension that I feel myself. Because right? you, you don't want to discipline while you're angry. Because you always go too far. Right? But you also, once you settle down so much... Maybe that's just the, the work of the Spirit showing you that maybe it's not worthy of physical discipline, but uh, patience all the more. All right, so uh, let's look at verse uh, 15. Do I, yes. Yeah. good point i mean and it would it would cut both ways too i mean just that um unless there's something gravely wrong happening don't undercut one another right because that can happen really easily he doesn't need that she doesn't need that or whatever the case may be but uh in verse 15 uh he's speaking directly to his son again no longer about uh, the son's children, but about the son himself, he says, My son, if your heart is wise, my heart will rejoice, even mine. Right? This idea that this, the father wants to see the son grow up in wisdom. And you should be thinking about right, the father 
God the Father speaking to the Lord Jesus Christ here as well, how he rejoiced over his wisdom and his, his reigns, verse 16, or his inmost being. My innermost parts shall rejoice when your lips speak right things. And notice, I mean, the, the placement of these Proverbs I don't think is accidental. It's showing the role of the rod to make a heart wise, to make a heart rejoice, to make lips speak the right things. And he says, let not your heart envy sinners. How grave a temptation is this, not just for children, but for us as adults, to look on what sinners have and be tempted to desire that, rather than being in the fear of the Lord all the day long, he says. Be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. Um, And he connects, uh, Bridges connects verse 17 with verse 18. uh, In the translation I'm looking at here, verse 18 begins with the word for. Right? So it, that means it's connected with what came before it. So let not your heart envy sinners, but be in the fear of the Lord all the day long, for surely there is an end, and your expectation shall not be cut off. Now, what's he saying here? Right? He's saying that you as one who has been raised in the covenant, you as one who has been raised as a Christian, as a believer, as one who is required to live according to the word of God, you're going to be tempted to envy sinners. But you need to know that there is an end to all these things, right? It's going somewhere and your expectation, uh, the thing that you desire in living a holy life, it will not be cut off. It will not be, uh, your expectation shall not be cut off. And we need to trust the Lord. He says, uh, Bridges says about this verse, he says, if the cross is too heavy, remember that you only have but a little time to bear it. If the way is wearisome to the flesh, the end drawing nearer will abundantly compensate. If the light, like at the end of the tunnel, is not visible, no that it is sown for thee. It is waiting for you. God has prepared it. And in waiting for the glorious harvest, here is the patience and faith of the saints. This is something, obviously, that we can connect not just to parents, but to people, to Christians in general. To know that God has something prepared for us. To know that the there is an end. Right? These days will end. And our expectation, our glorious hope will not be cut off. And in light of that, he says in verse 19, Hear, my son, listen and be wise and guide your heart in the way. Uh, A lot of people describe the book of Proverbs as presenting uh, two ways of living. right? And the word in Hebrew for way is also the word for road or path. right? So it's almost like he's saying, Um, Listen, my son, and be wise, and guide your heart in the road, the right road, the right path to choose, right? Uh, And Sam taught on uh, the Didache in adult Sunday school not too long ago, and it also has uh, some framing from the early Christian church around this idea that there's two ways to live, right? And it's drawing on the book of Proverbs, but it also is drawing on the fact that you're only going to heaven or hell, Right? There's only two paths. There is nothing in between and nothing that uh, will uh, be um, 
revealed in the end other than heaven and hell. So as he chooses this way, he wants him to listen. He wants him to be wise and to guide his own heart, to guide his own heart. I was talking with the kids uh, last night. Um, I read to him Psalm 4 right before we went to bed. And there's a verse in uh, Psalm 4 where uh, the psalmist says to speak to your heart on your bed. Let me see here. Um, yeah, verse uh, Psalm 4, 4. Commune or speak with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Right? The Bible encourages us to talk to ourselves. Right? To talk to our soul, as it were. Right? In the Psalms, David says over and over again, Be still, my soul. Why are you downcast, my soul? Right? And it's not as if he's having this outer body experience. It's just that we have to remind ourselves. So whenever he says in verse 19, Guide your own heart in the way, it's the same idea that you have to speak to yourself. You have to remind yourself. Um, one of the things that we learned uh, in, in men's Bible study a while back, uh, someone shared with us that was there, uh, that the word proverb, basically it means like a word out in front of you. Right? A pro, right? out in front of, uh, and verb or word. Right? So it's a word out in front of us as we walk the way that God has prepared for us. And we're to remind ourselves with these words. We're to live according to these words. So when he, he kind of shifts and starts talking about other people, in verse 20, he's talking about two different types of folks. Like uh, We could summarize them both as those who lack self-control. Uh, but notice the two things that he chooses to uh, highlight um, a certain nature about sin. Be not among wine-bibbers or drunkards and among riotous eaters of the flesh. He's not talking about cannibals there. He's talking about people who are gluttonous in their eating of meats and foods. For, here's the reason, why should you not hang out with drunks and gluttons? Because drunks and gluttons come to poverty. They have no self-control. And drowsiness will clothe a man with rags because being a drunk and being a glutton makes you drowsy. It does. It makes you where you have no strength. It makes you where you uh, cannot focus on things because all you're thinking about is the next meal, the next drink, the next snack, whatever it is. Right? is. You're not focused on the way that's in front of you. You can hardly get up and walk on it. Right? Because of being a drunk and a glutton. God says through Solomon here to his sons, notice those kinds of people and do not be among them. Do not be among them. You know, it's funny, not funny, but um, ironic, maybe is the right word, uh, how the Bible speaks so strongly about uh, drunkenness. And we're, we're pretty okay with that. But gluttony? Good luck with talking about that today, right? The Lord places these things side by side as two premier examples of things that lead to poverty, right? Do not be a drunk. Do not be a glutton because it drives you to poverty and it makes you 
a drowsy person or a sluggard is another word that is used over and over again to be clothed with rags. In verse, uh, so in those verses 20 and 21, uh, you could compare Proverbs 28 verse 7. Um, that's who, whoso keeps the law is a wise son, but he that is a companion of riotous or uh, gluttonous men shames his father. Right? And gluttony doesn't only have to do with food, but it certainly does include that. Proverbs 23, verse 2. I can't get my words out. Proverbs 23, verse 2. Um, Put a knife to your throat if you are a man given to appetite. Put a knife to your throat. Proverbs 23, 2. If you're a man given to appetite. Meaning, it is better to slit your own throat than to live by your appetite. Right? That's the warning there. Because appetite is a dangerous thing. He says, uh, be not desirous of his dainties or delicacies, for they are deceitful meat. Proverbs 23, 3. Uh, That's a pretty powerful section. We covered that a few weeks ago in men's Bible study. Yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it. Right. Yeah, I mean, just living by appetite in general, mm-hmm. right? So he uses the imagery of food to communicate a, a whole life reality, right? That the way that you handle food is a good example to teach you about sin, um, and it's a very powerful image. We got just a couple minutes here. I want to end right at seven. Um, let me give you a few comments on 22 and a few comments on 23, and then we will stop. Uh, 22, hearken, listen to your father who begat you, who gave birth to you, and despise not your mother when she is old. Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. One of the things that's fun to do with the Proverbs is when it talks about father and mother, to relate the father to God and the mother to the church. Right? Um, there's an early church saying that no one will be saved, or he who says he has God for his father better have the church for his mother. Right? That kind of idea. And if you think about it in Proverbs 23, 22, there's a few other ones. I can't remember them out right now. But you can think about it in an allegorical way. Listen to God the Father who begat you, who gave birth to you. Uh, if you read 1 John, it speaks of people being born of God. Right? We've been born again. Right? God has become our father. And despise not your mother when she is old. Now, how would I, how would I do this here with the church? Um, when a woman is old, um, you would be tempted to despise her because she no longer has the strength, maybe, that she had, or the mental Uh, fortitude that she has. She may not have the looks that she used to have. She may not be able to take care of herself anymore, right? She's not as reliable as she was when she was younger in all the same ways. But it doesn't mean 
she's uh, without value, right? And people can do this with the church as well. When it becomes less than desirable, they can despise the church just as they would despise their mother, right? So I think the imagery, it holds there. um, But, of course, he uses the natural relationship to communicate this reality. That's just one of the many meanings uh, that I think could be drawn out of uh, these proverbs. And like Mr. Keith brought up with uh, verse 2 about putting a knife to the throat. These proverbs, the reason that we can study them this way is because there's so much application and so much thought that can go into each proverb that we can't really exhaust the meaning of it, uh, of any one of them. We can see so much spiritual truth in them. Then he says, last verse and we'll be done. Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. What uh, Bridges said here that I thought was very insightful. He said, This man is the merchant man who purchased the pearl of great price at the cost of all that he had. Remember in the Gospels where Jesus told the story about the pearl of great price. He sold everything he had and he went and bought it. Right? What does he say here to buy and don't sell? The truth. Buy the truth and sell it not. He said this blessing can only be bought without price, according to Isaiah uh, 55. He says it is as free as it is precious, but the figure sets out the importance of gaining it at any cost. Think about the desires that you have as a person. Think about the things that you would buy and never sell. Is truth on that list? This proverb, I I think, would ask you that question. Buy the truth. Give all that you have to grow in the knowledge of the truth. And when you get it, don't sell it. Do the same thing for wisdom and instruction and understanding. It's a pearl of great price. Any uh, final thoughts? Uh, I want to get you all out of here at 7. It's 7.02, so don't want to belabor and keep on going, but... Sure. Yep. Great point. Yep. Fifth commandment in verse 22. Honor your father and your mother. Anything else? Okay. Let's close in prayer.